You know, today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. It's one of the foundations of Christian life. It's one of the foundations of Christian living. Um, you know, I was in Ephesians. We've spent a couple of weeks in Ephesians. And I'd like for you to turn back, if you have your Bible with you, to Ephesians, the uh, uh, fourth chapter. And beginning with the 25th verse, we see Paul explaining that the Christian's life is supposed to be different from the world around them. That those who have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior aren't supposed to be blending in. And their lives are supposed to be different than they were before. And he says, therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God also has forgiven you. Well, I want you to notice something that I'd never noticed before yesterday afternoon. When you look at verse 30, where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The things preceding that are those things that are, uh, they're the way we act. He's talking about purity and holiness in our actions. On the other side of this uh, exhortation to not grieve the Holy Spirit, we see that we're supposed to be different in our relations. Put all clamor, put all bitterness, all these things out of the way, forgiving each other as Christ has forgiven you. So on one side of verse 30, we see holiness and purity of life is expected of Christians. On the other side of verse 30, we see wholeness in relationships. A relationship cannot be whole if there's bitterness within it. Holiness on one side, wholeness on the other, 
both of which, if they're not there, grieve the Holy Spirit, which seals us for the day of redemption. Forgiveness is at the very heart of the Christian life. I uh, don't know if you noticed uh, the, uh, uh, the cover of the bulletin this w- the, today. C.S. Lewis, a quote from him. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Now, you know, Jobeth searches high and low to try to get the whole of the bulletin to go together. And she did an excellent job of it today, as she always does. But uh, that just really makes a good point. And it just ties in with what is said at the very end of the passage in, uh, in, in Ephesians, because he said, we're supposed to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. Forgiveness and bitterness are things that are lined out over and over again. And yet there are so many people that think that God's just kidding that uh, that if he he knows our hearts and he knows that we have a right to our bitterness, we have a right to feel the way that we feel. And there's so many people I know that they they name the name of Jesus, they bear the name Christian, and they uh, uh, they do so, and yet they are bitter people. They are unforgiving people. Reminds me of a young man. He was a soldier in Alexander the Great's army. And this soldier was brought before Alexander the Great for misconduct. And as he stood there, Alexander recognized this young man. He said, soldier, I remember you. You've been here before. What is your name? And he stood tall and he said, Alexander, sir. And Alexander the Great looked at him and said, Soldier, either change your conduct or change your name. And I think that Jesus would say that to a lot of people that call themselves Christian in this day and age. Either change your conduct or change your name. Don't call yourself Christian. Don't call me Lord if you're not willing to do what I say. In the passage in Matthew today, he makes it very, very clear that he's really, really serious about this bitterness and forgiveness thing. He says, in effect, that if you receive his forgiveness and then go around with bitterness in your heart, then it's as if you never were forgiven. It puts you back in the place where you were before you ever came to know him as Lord and Savior. And he says, if you don't forgive from the heart, and this is just it, if you've really received God's forgiveness in its depth of being in your heart, then you are going to forgive. You're not going to harbor that bitterness. In the Lord's Prayer, he taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. 
And that can be translated as we have already forgiven those who have trans, who've transgressed against us or trespassed against us. He's really serious about this, people, you know, and yet uh, as I was thinking about this, I remembered my uh, Aunt Opaldane. She was visiting us at our new house. We just moved to another place in Cleveland and uh, she was getting ready to back out of the driveway. Uh, my dad was standing there and we were all standing out there. They don't do that much anymore, but used to when somebody left in the country, the whole household would go out there, bye y'all, you know, like that. And all. We were all standing out there telling him to tell Aunt Opal Dane goodbye. And my dad said, uh, be careful, watch out for that tree. And she looked at him kind of funny, said, ha 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 and just backed into that tree and bent her bumper. She hit it so hard. And then she got mad at my dad because she thought he was kidding. I mean, it just makes no sense, you know. It's because he kidded a lot. He should have let her know that he wasn't really kidding. But the thing is, folks, whenever it comes to this stuff about forgiveness, Jesus is trying to make it really clear. He's not kidding. He really means it. And there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be angry at God on judgment day because they didn't listen to him and they didn't believe him. And so just briefly today, I want to go through uh, these things because, you know, we don't have a say about whether we forgive or not. We have to do it. I remember well, I was talking to my son the other day, right after Father's Day, he was telling me that he used me as a, as a foil kind of in his sermon to bounce some things of God off of, uh, off of and uh, three different things. And uh, it humbled me that he would even put me in a position where he would think that I could be used as an example like that. But <laughs> one of the things was, uh, I mean, with the gist of it, one of the, or he was recounting a time when he had kind of tried to go off his own way and do things his way instead of the way that they were done in our household, uh, kind of testing the boundaries. And he said, he remembered me saying, my house, my rules. And you know what? I don't remember saying it exactly that way, but uh, I'm not surprised if I said it because that's the way it is. You know, my house, my rules. You want to live some other way, you go live in somebody else's house, you know. So and, and you know what? In a way, God says that to us every day. My house, my rules. It's not a democracy, folks. We don't get to vote on what's uh, God's word and what's not God's word. He has laid it all out right here. My house, my rules, all of God's creation is my house. And if you're going to live in my house, you're going to live by my rules or you're going to pay the consequences. He means that about forgiveness. And he means it because it's good for us. He wants the best for his creation. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. He wants the best for all that he has 
brought into existence. And one of the ways that we're going to experience the best is to have hearts that are willing to forgive. And he gives that sort of a heart to those who truly receive his forgiveness and are sealed with his Holy Spirit and filled with his Holy Spirit. I want to share several reasons why forgiveness is so important. First of all, it blocks relationships. Unforgiveness destroys relationships. Your relationship will never be what it's supposed to be whenever bitterness is present because there will be a barrier between you and that other person. Be that other person God Almighty or your spouse or a child. Unforgiveness stands between you and God. Unforgiveness puts a barrier between you and those around you. Next, it's good for you because if you harbor unforgiveness, you're going to be holding on to bitterness and you're going to be thinking badly of others and you're going to be sinning and opening the door to the enemy to get into your life and just cause havoc. You know, in Proverbs 24, 29, it says, do not say I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Did you know those in the Old Testament? I do not say I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Forgiveness causes you to be pulled away from God and alienates you from other people. And it just causes you to just go into loneliness. It causes you to put up walls. It causes you to live in pain. It causes you to be in bondage to the past. So many. another thing, it's mainly for your benefit. It's mostly for you. It's not for that other person. In fact, he says, you know, we're supposed to forgive. But then he also says, vengeance is mine. It's not that that other person is, if they have really wronged you, it's not that they're going to get off scot-free. God will take care of them. But you've got to have faith that the God of justice is going to bring justice to those who have wronged you and hurt you. In fact, there's a place, there's a catch-22 in Scripture. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it says, whenever the Lord is, if the Lord is dealing with your enemy, don't rejoice lest he stop. Now, he also tells us to love our, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and do good for those who uh, persecute us and spitefully use us. And so there's a catch-22 here because if you love this person, you're going to be hurting when they hurt. Because remember, we've been talking about to love someone is to desire the good for that person. And so if God is dealing with your enemy and they're going through a tough time, and he may even say, hey, Johnny, you see what's happening to him over here? That's for you. That's payback. And if you start rejoicing about it, payback stops. But if you say, oh, Lord, please, please spare him. He's going to keep on. Isn't that what it says? It's a catch 22. So if your heart is right, your enemy is going to suffer. You see? Hate to say that, but that's just the way it is. If you're loving them, they're going to pay for what they did to you. 
Well, anyway, be that as it may, forgiveness is for your benefit, not for that other person. But you got to have faith that God's going to take care of that other person. Choosing not to forgive gets us stuck in our own past and it prevents us from moving forward. Without forgiveness, you're going to be constantly looking back. And you're going to also be not only that, you're going to be held in bondage by someone that you don't want to have any control over your life whatsoever. You can be, I've known people just so consumed uh, with bitterness told someone, uh, towards someone that they'd wake up mad at them and go to sleep mad at them. The people that they would not want to think about anymore dominate their lives. And one of the beautiful things about forgiveness is it sets you free. It sets you free from that person who has had control over your life and it sets you free from your past so you can handle things on their own merits in the present. It gets rid of all this emotional garbage. Nearly did it again, didn't it? Anyway, all this emotional garbage from the past so that you can really think clearly and handle things based on what's really going on. You know, there's a game people play called saving up your eggs in one basket. It's like you have an Easter egg basket, and when somebody hurts you and offends you in some way, it's like you're issued an Easter egg. You put that in the basket, and let's just get this clear. These are like uh, real eggs, not plastic ones with candy inside, okay? Real Easter eggs. You get one, you put it in there, then they do it, but you don't say anything about it. You don't do anything about it. You just stew. And then you get another one. You put that in. Another one. You put that in. Another one. You put that in. And this can build up. And the next thing you know, somebody does some insignificant thing that offends you. And there's no more room in your basket. And so that, and, and, and this has been over a long period of time. This stuff has been building up. And so can you imagine what the eggs on the bottom of that basket are like? Remember when we used to have real Easter eggs, real boiled eggs, and you'd find them like four weeks later? Stink bombs, man. It was fun, you know. But uh, anyway, they were bad. Oh, man, they were smelly. They were gross. Well, anyway, that's what's in the back of your basket if you just let this stuff build up and you haven't dealt with it as it came up. One of the major ways that God wants you to deal with it is to forgive because once that basket's full and there's no place for that to go, the reaction to that last offense is going to be so out of character to what has happened. So out of proportion to the offense, you did this and you did this and all those eggs come out of the basket one after another. And the person that did the thing is there like, where did that come from? Well, it came from a whole history of not dealing with stuff as it came up. And forgiveness is one of the biggest tools that God has given us to deal with stuff as it comes up. Because all that stuff has been carried around, all that stuff from the past, just festering and rotting. He wants us to be able to be freed from it. 
He wants us to be free from our past so we can live in the present and look forward to the future. Forgiveness leads to healing. Once all that stuff is gone, once you've dealt with it, all of a sudden you're free. You can move forward in a relationship with someone that you really love, but you just had walls between you and them. Healing between your relationship with God and yourself. Healing comes. Physical healing can come. People who have been bitter for ages uh, wind up suffering from cancer and arthritis more than people that do not. I've seen people... uh, I can't go into it now, but I've seen people, whenever they've asked me to pray for about arthritis, ask them about bitterness, found out, yeah, they had bitterness. This person did this, explained to them they couldn't expect the Lord to do anything for them until they forgave that other person. I've seen one woman, she couldn't, she was crippled with arthritis. She could not move. She forgave people that had hurt her. She received God's forgiveness for harboring the bitterness. The next time I went by to see her, she was mowing her yard. The Lord just healed her outright. Well, it brings healing in every form of the word. It leads to a purification of your spirit that can never be known as long as you're harboring bitterness. It's empowering because forgiving those who have done you wrong gives you the gives you your power back. You're that other person's slave until you forgive them. And then you can handle things rightly and on its own merits. The most important reason to forgive, though, is just because Jesus tells us to. He wants what's best. And by faith, we have to accept that that's what's best. I want to conclude today with a an anecdote that uh, D.L. Moody tells from his own life. And I won't, I don't want to leave anything out, so I'm going to just uh, share it in his words. He says, I can give you a little experience of my own family. Before I was 14 years old, the first thing I remember was the death of my father. He had been unfortunate in business and failed. Soon after his death, the creditors came in and took everything. My mother was left with a large family of children. One calamity after another swept over the entire household. Twins were added to the family, and my mother was taken sick. The eldest boy was 15 years of age, and to him my mother looked for strength in her calamity. But all at once that boy became a wanderer. He had been reading some trashy novels and the belief had seized him that he had only to go away to make a fortune. And away he went. I can remember how eagerly she used to look for tidings of that boy. How she used to send us to the post office to see if there was a letter from him and recollect how we used to come back with the sad news. No letter. I remember how in the evenings we used to sit beside her in that New England home and we would talk about our father. But the moment the name of that boy was mentioned, she would hush us into silence. Some nights when the wind was very high and the house, which was up on a hill, would tremble at every gust. 
The voice of my mother was raised in prayer for that wanderer who had treated her so unkindly. I used to think she loved him more than all the rest of us put together, and I believe she did. On a Thanksgiving day, you know that is a family day in New England, she used to set a chair for him, thinking he would return home. Her family grew up, and her boys left home. When I got so that I could write, I sent letters all over the country, but could find no trace of him. One day while in Boston, the news reached me that he had returned. While in that city, I remember how I used to look for him in every store. He had a mark on his face, but I never got any trace. One day while my mother was sitting at the door, a stranger was seen coming toward the house. And when he came to the door, he stopped. My mother didn't know her boy. He stood there with folded arms and a great beard flowing down his breast his tears trickling down his face. When my mother saw those tears, she cried, Oh, it's my lost son, and entreated him to come in. But he stood still. No, mother, he said, I will not come in till I hear first you have forgiven me. Do you believe that she was not willing to forgive him? Do you think she was likely to keep him long standing there? She rushed to the threshold and threw her arms around him and breathed forgiveness. Ah, sinner, if you but ask God to be merciful to you, a sinner, ask him for forgiveness, although your life has been bad. Ask him for mercy, and he will not keep you long waiting for an answer. Let us pray. Oh, Lord. Hearing this story reminds us that oftentimes we have needed forgiveness like that from others that we have wronged. And many times others have needed forgiveness like that from us. And all of us have stood in need of forgiveness like that from you. So help us, we pray, O oh God, to forgive those who need our forgiveness and to receive the forgiveness that you offer so freely. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.